When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lake Scenario Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, June the 1st, 2023. Yesterday, Wednesday, May 31st, was NBA Draft Decision Day for players who had entered their name into the draft. It was the deadline for withdrawing from the draft. As we now know, Oscar Shibway and Chris Livingston both left their name in the draft. Antonio Reeves did withdraw, but Antonio is going to weigh his options uh, for next season. So we know that on June 1st, Kentucky has only seven confirmed scholarship players on the roster for the 2023-24 season. And we're going to talk about that with Ben Roberts, who covers Kentucky basketball for the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. First, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Please check out the podcast, follow the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you find the podcast. We appreciate everybody who has done that, and we appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader at Kentucky.com. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on that subscription button, and check out all the subscription offers to Kentucky.com. So now let's get right to it. My conversation with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader about Kentucky basketball. Okay, I want to welcome Ben Roberts into the podcast. How's it going, Ben? Oh, good, John. How are you? Uh, it's good. I'm doing good. Uh, obviously, a big day for Kentucky basketball on Wednesday, NBA draft withdrawal day. Oscar Shibwe is gone. Chris Livingston is gone. Antonio Reeves may be gone. Uh, leaving Cal with seven scholarship players for next year that we know are going to be here next year, at least we believe are going to be here next year. Were you surprised by any of the developments on Wednesday? No, uh, I think the writing on the wall really the last two months with Chris has been that, that he was going to be gone. Oscar, the narrative's kind of gone back and forth with him. Um, and a big reason for that is from talking to people at UK, Oscar's thinking had, had been going back and forth over these last couple months. Uh, I know there were days where he thought he was coming back days where he thought he was staying in. And um, obviously the final decision was staying in Antonio. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, it's not a great look for anybody involved. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought I knew there were these, you know, th- this was a possibility, but I thought by the time everybody got to uh, May 31st, that the decision would be either stay in the draft or have a decision on what you're going to do uh, when you go back to college. Um, the fact that they're going to be having this conversation about NIL and about not necessarily playing time, but, but role uh, next season's team in early June when you've had two and a half months to kind of iron out those details um, is not the most optimal situation. Uh, and, you know, so that that's, it's not necessarily surprising, but it, but it's, it's not a great look, especially for Kentucky. I don't think. Okay. Let's start with Oscar and Chris. Uh, neither one of those guys, 
by projections is projected to be drafted. That doesn't mean they can't be drafted. They could be drafted. Uh, Oscar, uh, you were at the NBA Draft Combine. Looked like he played pretty well there. I know that uh, people think that Livingston has a lot of upside. Uh, why? Why leave? Why leave and go when you're not you're not assured anyway of being drafted? Yeah, I think it's I think it's just betting on yourself is is what it comes down to with both those guys. I, I think more more so in Oscar's case. Um, you know, he could have made a whole lot of money in NIL, did last year, uh, you know, made a little year before that, um, or relative to last year. I mean, he made a little, he did pretty well for the year before that too. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he's going to be 24 years old in November. Uh, he, in my mind, just talking to him, talking to, talking to folks around him, uh, it's not that he can't prove anything more can't get better in certain areas obviously he can but i i think uh you know the thinking out there is that the nba kind of sees oscar as oscar and for him to really make an impression he's gonna have to get in there and, and you know get get on a summer league roster uh you know work his way through and, and show people that he does have the skills or the attributes necessary to be on an nba roster long term i know he believes that i know he believes in himself uh, as he told me at the combine that my dream is to play in the NBA. Like I love Kentucky. I'll always love Kentucky to always be my home, but my dream is to play in the NBA. And I think it just got to a point where after four years of college, I graduated last month. Um, I know he's very proud of that. It just seemed like a, the, the right time to move on. And I, I think a year from now, he'd basically be in the same position, if not maybe a little worse position because he'd be a year older. So he's going to have to work his way up anyway. Uh, he just, you know, have, have some more money, I guess, I guess uh, if he did it a year from now. But so, you know, that, that makes sense to me. Chris, uh, yes, I mean, he could have come back and, and played a different role, played a bigger role, um, realized some of that potential, I'm sure, over the next year. Uh, but we've seen guys who, you know, it's not like he doesn't have any stock. I'd be, I'd be a little surprised if he doesn't get drafted um, later this month. I, I just feel like he kind of has uh, a lot of things that NBA teams are going to be looking for. And I think there's probably going to be a team on the back end of that second round that's willing to take the chance and, and make sure they get him in w with their, with their uh, franchise. So uh, but, you know, if you do come back and it's not the right fit or you don't blend well with the freshman or whatever, uh, then you're looking at, you know, what stock you have dropping quite a bit. We've seen that with with guys who who did have some stock as freshmen came back. Things didn't work out that well, uh, sometimes through no fault of their own. And, and then they didn't have it uh, a year later and really were, were left with fewer options. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know fans don't like it. I understand that. Um especially when it's guys who aren't projected to be drafted. But, you know, we'll we'll see whether these are the right decisions or not on June 22nd. And then I think with both those guys, it'll probably take two or three years to, to know whether they made the right choices. Yeah, we are recording this on Thursday morning. The NBA Finals start tonight with the Miami Heat against the Denver Nuggets. And Miami has four undrafted players who are playing major roles for them in the playoffs. So you do not have to be uh, you don't have to be drafted to make the NBA. You can make the NBA without being drafted, and you can have a starring role or at least a, a very uh, sizable. Uh, contributor role in the NBA if you're not drafted. Obviously, it helps if you're drafted. There were rumors, or at least those have popped up in the last couple of days, that Livingston was 
not happy here last year. Uh, are those? Did you hear anything about that, or are those just kind of uh, revisionist history now that Chris is leaving? Uh, people around Chris were not happy, and that is no secret, I don't think. Um, with his role, with the way he was being used, especially early on with just the, the playing time in general, there were a lot of people around him who were not happy. There were people at Clutch, I've heard and I believe, that that actually wanted to pull him out of school and basically just have him work out somewhere or, or try to go to the G League or overtime or something uh, before he went to the draft. And from what I was told, Chris was approached with that and said, I'm not doing that. I'm staying at Kentucky. I'm playing with my teammates. Uh, I know he was frustrated uh, at, at various points throughout the season. Um but I think it would be a stretch to say that he was not happy. Uh, I'm sure uh, there were moments where he was not happy that he was being pulled out of a game at this point or that time or after this mistake. I, you know, we saw it. there were two or three times where I know Jacob ran over there to kind of calm him down because he didn't want him getting into a, a, a jawing match with Cal by, by the time he got to the sideline. Uh, in the heat of the moment, there were times he, he wasn't happy. But in general, throughout the season, uh, I think it was more just kind of a, Frustration and some of that frustration was, was with himself that I, I think uh, he, he thought he could be doing things differently, but he also thought he could be put in different situations. But I think by the time he got to the end of the season, um, he thought that was the best route for his game, I guess. And that's the reason he came to Kentucky. He knew that there were going to be some veterans on this team. He knew, obviously, Casey Wallace was coming in. He knew it wasn't going to be the Chris Livingston show, whereas he could have gone to a number of other schools, some big name schools, uh, gone to an overtime or a G league and, and been featured a lot more. And that's the decision he made knowing that that's what was going to happen. And I think he knew that coming in. I think there were some frustrations in the middle. And I think by the time he got to the end of the season, he reflected back and, and thought, you know, this is what I signed up for. It made me a, a better person a more mature person and and in the long run possibly a better player so yeah i, I don't I, I think i think if people are saying he was unhappy for the whole time he was here or anything like that i, I think that's certainly revisionist history okay let's move on to antonio reeves okay uh, let, let's look make the case both the, uh, coming back to kentucky or going someplace else if you're antonio why would you come back to – we'll be cynical and negative here for a second. Uh, if you're Antonio, why would you come back to Kentucky when you've got all these freshmen, you've got uh, – you know, what is – you? are you going to have – are you going to get as many minutes as you did last year? Uh, are you going to be able to um, work on the things you need to work on at Kentucky if you come back? Uh, or do you go someplace else where you're not familiar with uh, – you're going to have to learn a new system all over again. You're going to have to have a, learn a new coaching staff all over again if you're Antonio what do you what are you thinking about right now yeah I mean I, I think that's all a part of it with him and NIL it sounds like it's going to be a big part of it too um and I don't even necessarily think with him it's going to be minutes because I think he's going to get the minutes I think Cal's definitely going to have to play him next season play him a lot so <laughs> he got seven uh, players <laughs> I mean, well yeah right now he's got yeah um Yes. And, but I think more is going to be role. Uh, you know, he was given, especially as he got more comfortable, as Cal got more comfortable with his game toward the end of the season, he was given a lot of leeway. He was given a lot of freedom offensively, uh, as a shot maker, um, as a creator. I think he doesn't want to come back in a situation where it's going to be the, the DJ and Rob show 
out on the perimeter and, and Antonio's over there on the wing or in the corner as a catch and shoot guy. Um, that's not what he wants. And that's completely understandable. Um, and I don't think it would necessarily be that, uh, if he were to come back and as far as like showing what you need to show to be an NBA player, if NBA teams have been watching, I think they know that Antonio can score points, can make shots, can even create for himself. You know, obviously he didn't end the season on, on the greatest of notes, but I, that was clearly an outlier. If you watched him all season, especially last couple months, uh, what Antonio needs to show is that he can play defense, um, both team defense and man-to-man defense. And he's going to get every opportunity to do that at Kentucky next season because they could very well be hurting in that area. Um, and he's going to be a, a – a, he would, would be, if he came back, a veteran guy who could kind of set the tone and, and obviously make some improvements in his own game there. So if I'm Antonio, if I'm Kentucky, or if I'm advising him, uh, I, I would imagine that's got to be a, a focus of your game if you want to have uh, a career in the NBA. You don't have to be a lockdown defender, but you can't be a, a complete liability uh, on that end of the floor uh, at, at the next level. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, I think, something that, that would have to be in, in his mind as he makes this decision. Okay, okay. Well, we've talked about the three guys who made their decision on Wednesday. We're going to talk about what's next for Kentucky and for John Calipari with Ben Roberts right after this break. Okay, back here with Ben Roberts. We're talking about Kentucky basketball decision day Wednesday for the NBA draft. Kentucky lost two players for sure, may have lost a third in Antonio Reeves. Ben, first question before we go about where they're going to look now. How did Kentucky get in this? How did John Calipari get in this situation where we're sitting here on June 1st and he only had seven scholarship players uh, for sure for next season? How, how did we get here, Ben? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a confluence of, of- issues that got to this point. Uh, I think the biggest is basically taking five highly, highly touted freshmen. I mean, probably four top tennis recruits and, a and another guy who I think people expect to play next season, uh, in this current college environment, that is going to be a recipe for finding it difficult to get high level transfers to come in, especially when you have players, the caliber caliber of Oscar Shibway, Antonio Reeves, and, and Chris Livingston waiting until May 31st. Um, and that was a problem even with retaining players. I know guys like CJ Frederick and, and Lance Ware looked around and were like, you know, we're, we might not be playing next season and we don't have much time in college left. So let's go somewhere where, where we can have a little better opportunity. Um, so, and if you're a guy like a Hunter Dickinson or a Keisha Johnson uh, or any of these other guys that Kentucky reached out to, you're looking at the situation and you're you're knowing that DJ Wagner's playing 30 plus minutes a game. Justin Edwards playing 30 plus minutes a game. Aaron Bradshaw and Rob Dillingham are going to get every opportunity to play 30 minutes plus a game. Uh, plus, you got these other guys who you know are going to play major minutes if they come back sitting on the fence. And you've got all these. You could go to Arizona. You could go to Kansas. You could go to Texas or wherever and play major minutes and basically be promised that right off the bat without having to wait around, are you going to do it? Uh, and guys have been doing it, obviously. Um, so I, I think now it'll be interesting to see now that at least two of these guys have made their decisions, the roster is more opened up. There's more opportunity there to be had. 
if they continue to strike out with, with guys that they really key in on, that's a major problem. Um, there's a lot of talent still left in the portal. I think there's going to be some other big names that, that pop up uh, as grad transfers between, you know, now, now and July. Um, so he's still got a, he's still got a chance to, to make this a really, really good roster, but he needs three, I think veteran players who can fill some roles that they need um, to do it. And that's a lot of work in the next six weeks before they go to Canada to, to play these exhibition games. So you think it's not so much that Cal hasn't tried to find people in the transfer portal. It's just that people haven't been real receptive up to this point because of, as you mentioned, Kentucky's got this freshman class coming in and they didn't know at that point what Oscar and Livingston and Antonio were going to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a lot of what I was talking about and a little of, I don't know that I would call it not trying because I know they, they kicked the tires on a lot of guys. Um, and I think it's certainly fair to criticize that you've only had two guys on campus, Hunter and, and Johnson, uh, as far as visitors. But it is a tough spot to try to sell this as a destination to somebody who's, you know, if you're if Kyle's going to bring a guy into Kentucky right now, uh, it, it's going to be a guy that he thinks can play 25-ish minutes a game at a high level and bring something to this team that the roster lacks. And if you're a player capable of doing that, you got a whole lot of options right now at really, really good schools where you don't have to sit around and wait. Um, so I think that kind of made it tough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th there could have been more proactive uh, moves uh, to, to go after guys and get, get guys on campus, um, get guys lined up. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a tough situation. It's a tough situation to try to bring players in, in, but it's the situation that he created. Um, you know, I mean, he brought in those five freshmen. Uh, that's, that's what he did. Uh, that, that's the roster that, that he wanted to build around. And this is what, uh, this is one of the possibilities that happens and now it's happening and, and he's in a tough spot, but I would say, and I know you wrote about it late last night. There is still time, and I don't think, you know, people jump, you know, the, like next season's over, they're toast or anything like that. They they could be. It's a possibility for sure. But, uh, you know, let's see what he does in the next month or so. If he brings in our, our Arthur uh, Kaluma, if, if he gets Antonio Reese back, if he gets one more guy, uh, that's that's a legitimate top 10 roster, I think. Um and but he's got to do all that, and <laughs> there's a long right. way to go between talking about it and, and getting it done. Right. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, Kaluma, the guy from Creighton, six seven guy from Creighton. Uh, what do we know about him? And and who else? Who else is out there that might be? You say you think some other names are going to pop up in the portal here uh, in the not too distant future. But what about Kaluma? And who else is out there that Kentucky might be interested in? Yeah, as far as who else, I think we're going to have to wait about a week or so to to let everything kind of clear and right. see who pops in and and uh, who's really serious about a got, Kentucky. Yeah, because you've got uh, it's not just Kentucky. You've got other rosters where you got players who you know somebody decided to withdraw from the draft and come back to school, and there's a guy sitting there on the roster. I didn't know that was going to happen. Where are my minutes going to be? So they they'll start looking around. So yeah, there's a lot of things in play. That's what I was trying to say in my. And I think that I wrote, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and Antonio's kind of in that same spot. I mean, he knew, he, he knew the situation he would be coming back into with all these freshman guards, but yeah, that's kind of the situation just because these guys 
pull out um, and pull out of the draft last night doesn't mean they're going back to the schools they they were uh, they they played for last season. And uh, as we've talked about, grad transfers can transfer at any time. They don't need that May that May eleventh deadline does not apply to them. So if you're a, a person who's already graduated from from college and you're sitting there looking at Kentucky's roster and maybe you've always wanted to play for Kentucky or you think that would be a great stepping stone of the NBA, you're thinking, oh, they don't have anybody who can play the fourth spot or they don't, they, you know, they need a, a, a complimentary point guard or they need, they need a shooter. Uh, they need a rebounder. They need a lot of stuff right now. So if, you, if you're anybody, you could probably find a role for, right. you, for yourself uh, at the moment. Uh, and so maybe you might not have even jumped in the, the portal, uh, but maybe you will uh, if you see a role for yourself at a place like Kentucky. So that could very well happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kaluma is the big name right now. Uh, you know, I know there's people out there saying like, oh, if, if, uh, if they get him and that kind of negates Oscar leaving and that, that's not it, uh, at all. No. Um, but cause he's, I mean, he's a guy who averaged six rebounds in 30 minutes a game last season. Um, not, you know, not the, uh, the most efficient offensive player, but he's a really good, I mean, he's a really good piece to build around. And that's what, at this point, I think that's what you need. I, I think Cal, with the way he's gone about it, um, this is going to be a not necessarily freshman-led team, but it's going to be a team that lives or dies, so to speak, on what these freshmen end up doing on the court. And you need Reed Travis types out there to kind of steady the ship, um, fill in those gaps, be veteran leadership. I mean, Reed Travis types, Nate Sestina types, Davion Mintz types. You need guys like that who can play at a high level, but don't need to go get 20 and 10 or aren't expected to go get 20 and 10 every night. Uh, and the unselfishness that Kentucky found with some of those guys I just mentioned, that's going to be, that, that's, that's tough to get, to check all those boxes, to check the can play at a high level okay not being the guy or not being the even the third guy and having the unselfishness and and maturity to kind of maneuver all that and also be a, a bit of a team leader as a new guy it's really hard to find people like that and you really got to do your due diligence to do it or you could end up with with a roster that just does not really gel on the court or off the court um and you know now they're sitting here june 1st and they got to figure all that out uh, and it's it's I imagine not a great situation to be in. No, and you got you got you got a roster right now. You know we're going to exclude Reeves for a minute, but you got five freshmen and you got two sophomores who didn't play a whole lot last year. You need somebody who can come in and say, "Hey, this is what college basketball is all about. I know what college basketball is all about, and this is what you have to do." I always say on teams, you need guys on a team. You need that institutional knowledge. That's obviously unless Reeves comes back, you're going to have very little of that. But you need a guy to say when the coach is screaming at a kid in practice, you need a guy to tell him, hey, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. Shake it off and come back. And uh, uh, right, they're going to need a guy like that. But, okay, let's look at, instead of talking about names, If you, as you look at this roster right now, 
where do you think they need help? I mean, do they need a power forward? Do they need another center to go with on Yenso? And as I've written, I'm really high on Yenso. I think one of the silver linings in this thing is, is that Cal's going to have to play him next year, going to have to leave him in mistakes because he's going to need him. Need him? Do they need a? Do they need more shooting? Do they need another uh, uh, shooting guard? I heard uh, Mike DeCourcy on a show the other day, even before this happened, saying that he thinks, and he obviously knows Cal very well, that they need more shooting on this roster. That's been the that's been their Achilles' heel, especially in postseason. What What do you think about that? Yes. <laughs> so, so okay. all of that well, thanks and, for being and on the more podcast, and more <laughs> no i mean they need everything I, yeah i mean you know but you said they could have a top 10 roster but they, they uh, yeah but they got to get that stuff and and they're not gonna they got a lot of needs and they're not gonna they're not gonna fill all of them they're gonna go into next season um i, I think defense is going to be the, the big question mark no matter what they do unless they just get three absolute uh, bulldog defenders, uh, which I do not see happening uh, at this stage. I think defense is going to be the thing where we're sitting here talking in October, like, uh, you know, is this going to be another one of these teams like the last couple of years where they really struggled defensively, um, especially in, in, in team defense? That's a very and when you <laughs> when you're relying on those freshmen, I mean, that's yeah. it's going to be a problem. And I don't think that's a problem that's necessarily going to get fixed. This offseason, I think that's got to be a situation where you get guys like DJ and Justin and Aaron Bradshaw and, and some of these others who kind of do fit those boxes that aren't polished, aren't refined, but you figure a way to get them a whole lot better from July to uh, to March. And it's possible, and but, but that's what they're going to have to be dealing with there. What you can find, yeah, they need a rebounder. Aaron Bradshaw and Ugano Nienso are have incredible upsides. Um, and I think I, I'm really intrigued like you. I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to see them get major minutes next season, just to see what they can do, but they are not 10 rebounded guy type guys. I mean, Ugana, uh, you know, isn't the slightest guy. Uh, he needs strength. Everybody who's who played around him said that, that he, that he needs to get stronger. He's, he's acknowledged that they needs to get stronger this off season. And he's also just not the, I mean, he's an incredible shot blocker, can be, but he's not the type that's going to go out there and, and be able to, to move the way Oscar moved to get rebounds. Um, and I know that's a high bar, but I, you know, I don't expect him to, to be this incredible rebounder as a sophomore. Aaron Bradshaw is about probably 20 pounds lighter than, than, uh, than Ugana. He's going to get pushed around quite a bit in the SEC. And against some of these bigger teams in the non-conference schedule, if he doesn't put on some weight and some strength, and I just don't know that that's possible to do in a in a matter of, of four months. So uh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of things going for him, but I don't think he's going to be a great rebounder. Even like if they were to get Kaluma, I mean, he, he doesn't he he helps a lot there, but I, I I think he might still need somebody, or you might need a guy like Justin Edwards to be an incredible rebounder from the three spot. Um, that's where I think Chris losing Chris Livingston was a, was a really big deal. They, yes, they absolutely need three point shooting. Even if Antonio Reeves comes back, I mean, we saw what happened last year, beginning of the season, Reeves and Frederick, uh, you know, had those couple of games, uh, where they shot really well. And obviously both of them shot well later in the season, especially Antonio, uh, you know, people harp on CJ. Now, if you look at his numbers before the finger injury, he was still really good from three, uh, but you get to March, CJ obviously isn't himself. Uh, 
Antonio, it the perimeter shooting really all rides on Antonio at that point. Kaysen and, and Chris can hit open threes if, if they get them, but they needed Antonio to, to hit threes, and he had the game that he had. And that's I'm it's not really his fault. I mean, you can't put all that on one guy to try to win six games in the NCAA tournament. You're only real three point shooter. So even if he comes back, he needs somebody else over there that can make a shot. And maybe that's well, I don't know who it is on the current roster. I mean, you know, I, I, I think some of these guys can be serviceable three point shooters, but I don't expect any of these guys to be thirty six ish percent or higher three point shooters, especially at the volume that I think you would want them to be. Uh, so yeah, rebounding three point shooting, I think point guard play could really be an issue. Uh, and that's going to be the one that, that, that like defense, I think is going to be tough to get, not necessarily because those guys aren't out there because, but if you're one of those guys and you see DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham on the roster, uh, why, why, why would you do that? Uh, and that's going to be a really, really tough sell because, yeah, I imagine DJ's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, maybe he can be that guy, but but he had a lot of knocks on him as a as a as a point guard, especially in half court sets. Uh, I know he improved quite a bit. It sounded like over the last several months, but this is a whole nother level of basketball and, and a whole new ball game, especially when you're playing teams like Kansas and these SEC teams and possibly Duke, and then the tournament. There's going to be a lot of growing pains there, and I, I think point guard play is going to be a little bit dicey, certainly at the beginning of the season and, and possibly for the whole thing. One last question before I let you go, Ben. Should we – obviously, John Calipari has preached players first. This is a players first program. He's talked about his relationship with the players. Having this many guys leave, and you wrote about it on Kentucky.com now, that this is a, almost an unprecedented exodus of U.K. players. Should we read any in, in into that, that Calipari's relationships with the players is not what it should be or what it used to be? Or is this just a coincidental thing where there were too many other factors involved to say, oh, there's a problem there between with Cal and his relationship with the players? No, I don't think it's coincidental. I mean, I think there's something there. I, I wouldn't go as far as, as to say it's, it's a necessarily a Cal-specific problem. Uh, I think you could say it's a way the program has kind of gone over the last two or three years. Um, you know, I, I don't know that those relationships are there necessarily. There's been a lot of turnover with the assistant coaches. Uh, you know, those for that first decade, I mean, there was, <laughs> there were about five assistant coaches over the first decade of the Calipari era. There have been about 10 over the, over the last five years. Yeah, uh, those, I know those, I know those numbers aren't exactly right, but I, yeah, you get my point that that it it was it was Kenny and Robic and then Orlando at the beginning and and uh, Joel and Tony. Um, you had a lot of continuity there, and that continuity uh, helps breed culture. Uh, and I don't know what the culture of Kentucky basketball necessarily is right now. Um, and, and I think that is kind of an issue that there there does seem to be a lacking in direction. Uh, I think it's an issue that we are two and a half months now into the postseason. And I know they announced John Welch last week, and that had been done for a while. Uh, but you still got an assistant coach opening. And, you know, we, we knew in Greensboro that KT Turner was going to be a head coach. We knew before that, actually. Uh, the fact that that position hasn't been filled, the fact that the other new 
uh, position that the NCAA is granting teams, uh, assistant coach hasn't been filled. Um, you know, it's just it, things. I think things could be done differently, um, and and things could be in a lot more order here on June first than they are. Uh, and I imagine that also makes it tough to get to get players in. You know, I know John Welch was in for Hunter Dickinson's uh, uh, visit, and and I think he's a great great addition to the program. I think it's going to be really good. But you got to have that vision and that direction. And, and I think it has to be done a lot earlier on the calendar, especially when you're going to be going through a, a rebuilding or reloading or however you want to phrase it, right. uh, level of optimism. Um, you know, th- there just has to be more of an apparatus and I don't, I don't see it right now. Yeah. Well, I am not ready. As I said, in my uh, thing, takeaways. I'm not ready to get out the shovel yet and bury uh, John Calipari like a lot of people have on Twitter uh, in the past 24 hours. But I do think, uh, as you, I think you're exactly right. A lot of things have to be done between now and when practice officially starts October 15th. Much less when they go on this Canada trip. Ben will be there to report all about it as he has done throughout the season and throughout this very eventful postseason. Follow Ben on Twitter at Ben. Roberts HL and Ben as always we really appreciate you being on the podcast all right yep thanks a lot John okay that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay podcast as always my thanks to friend of the pod Ben Roberts as I said follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL check out all his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Arrow Leader a lot of new Kentucky basketball news here lately there'll be a lot more between now and the start of the season so be sure and follow Ben and follow his work in the Arrow Leader and at Kentucky.com thanks to everybody for listening we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast